So what would, what would come to your mind if you had to answer the question? Just by a show of hands, how many of you have been kind of brought up in the church your whole life? Most of your life, yeah. Like you took your first communion in the womb. That was you. Through the umbilical cord, you're like, I like that stuff. Thank you. Guys, how many it's like, uh, I, just, I, just, I just started attending a church community. Anybody? Kind of just newer at it, okay? Anybody get tricked coming? Like, hey, we're going to go through a mountain, bunch of high schoolers, we're going to party. You're like, oh, that's what I want to do. Guys, the most important question that has to be answered by every single person is, what do you think about God? And yet I think we live in a culture that because maybe there's no, uh, there's no big app that just explains it. We just can't scroll through because how much of our life is spent and wasted on that? Guys, I'll be honest. There was a point. Everything I wanted and everything I needed came from people double-tapping a picture to make me feel like I was affirmed as a person. And you would think that we adults wouldn't be any worse than you, but we're just as bad. I mean, how often have you posted a picture had to get the right perfect angle? Mine, were, uh, mine would be pictures of me speaking somewhere, and I would take a picture and say that there's 12 people, but I made it look like there was 22,000. And I would say, hashtag humbled to be here. And yet the whole time Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And yet I would, I would post it, and if I got 100 likes, then I was there. But if I didn't, no, nah, I didn't make it. Guys, what comes to your mind when you think about God? It's the most important thing. Here's what I'm asking. For those of you that love Jesus, I'm asking you to give him a week. That you would engage in every time we're together here in chapel, you would engage in your time when you're in the cabin and discussing things. You would actually answer questions. You would ask questions with a desire to find truth, not to just debate, but to search and to find truth. Because think about it. We live in a culture that doesn't believe in it. It's like whatever you want to believe, you believe, and what I, whatever I want to believe, I'll believe. Guys, do you see the problem with it? It's like, no, 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 that's totally fine. That's freedom. Guys, the only thing that that ultimately leads to is chaos. That's all that it leads to because here's the thing. You can never be offended by anything that anyone ever does or says because that's their truth. Nor can I be offended by you, by anything you do to me or say to me, because that's your truth. And I can't instill my truth on you, and you can't instill your truth on me. And so for those who oppress others around the world, those who oppress people because they, they feel like they have power over them, if there's no such thing as truth, we can't be offended or angered about what it is that they're doing because that's their truth. Do you see the problem with this? If everyone lived that out, it would be complete chaos. And yet today, what do we base it on? We base truth on how do you feel. Everything's about how you feel. Feel has become the new God. I gotta be honest. I'm really thankful that I don't make every decision on based on feelings. I remember being in high school, and there's that, that, there's that girl, and I'm like, God, that's the one. That's the one. Like, I know it's the one. Every time I see her, my heart just does this. And I sweat, not knowing that I sweat when I peel oranges, but it's like, that's the one. She's the one. And then you kind of look back and go, praise God. <laughs> praise God she wasn't the one. Because the, the one that I'm married to now, good night. A hot woman who loves Jesus, does it get any better than that? 
And I got these two great, I got these two great boys. I've got one who's 18 going off to CBU in the fall. I got another one who's going to be a junior this year. And I'm so thankful that God has his own plan. But it was based upon how I feel in the moment. Or even now, as temptation comes and thoughts come to my mind, if I only go after what it is that I feel in the moment, won't it, might, might it not be different the next day? And all of a sudden, these character traits of honor, they're pushed to the wayside. Commitment, valor, courage, boldness, all those things are pushed to the side. For what? Because I don't feel it. Oh, there's a problem with that. Friends, I've got to be honest. I, I've been allowed to be part of Gene's ministry for a while. And, and the joy for me every time is it reminds me that when I was 17... At Hume Lake, at the other location, three rows back is when I made my all-in decision for Jesus. Like, it was such a huge moment for me. So here's what I'm asking those of you who love Jesus, give him a week. Those of you who are kind of indifferent, all I'm asking is that you give him a week. Engage. Instead of just sitting there going, I don't want to. Guys, you know what that's called? And I, I, gosh, please understand when I say things that come out a little strong, it's because I do. I really love you, and I want you to know Jesus. But for us to continue to say, I don't want to think about it. I got busier things to do. I got a whole lot of things to look at. And I got a whole lot of fake lives to double tax on life. That's called lazy. And I don't want you to base your, your eternity and your life now on lazy. For those of you who don't like God, don't believe in God, hate God, feel like God failed you, here's what I ask of you. Give him a week. Give them a week. What's so incredible about a week? Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when everything began, in the beginning, God. God already was. Where Genesis 1, 1 started, that is not where God started to work. God has always been. When the beginning began, God already was. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you are creative by nature? You like the arts? Anybody? Way ahead, way ahead. Guys, you know, you know who you take after? Guys, you were created in the very image of the creative creator. There's no one more creative than God. Guys, the idea of creativity came from him. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he simply started this way. He said, let there be light. And light exploded out of the mouth of God at 186,000 miles per second. How many of you wish that you could have been there for that? Anybody? I don't know about that, guys. Think about it. I think your head would fall off. I don't think it'd come out all quiet. Let there be light. I don't think it was like that. I think it exploded. It just came out just with this reckless abandon. See, everything obeys in creation when God speaks except who? Us. Think about it. God creates a lion. The only job the lion has is to be a lion. The only thing the lion wants to be is a lion. And that lion is going to be a lion to the glory of its creator. God creates. And yet when you see in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that word created has this concept of conveying order and purpose. It's not just put it together, but put it together correctly. With something, a direction you're supposed to go in, something you're supposed to do. Order that goes with it. Think about it. In the creation story, 
There's these opposites that complement one another. On purpose. Light and dark. Land and sea. Sun and moon. Male, female. God created it all very good. Guys, you realize that after the first, after the, I'm sorry, after, after he's done, after creating everything, he looked at everything himself that he made and said, this is very good. Guys, i got to be honest. I might say something a little bit more impressive than very good. Guys, you realize that we can't even figure out everything that God's made. We've taken thousands and thousands and thousands of years trying to figure it all out, and we can't. I think I'd say something a little bit more impressive, but here's what that word good means in the Hebrew. So for those who sit there and go, you know what, I believe in God, but do you realize how much junk's going on in the world? Guys, do you ever just maybe watch the news for about two and a half seconds and realize it's all broken? It's all broken. Do you ever find yourself sitting alone, looking at the lives of other people, wishing that you had theirs, all the while they're wishing they had theirs, and you feel completely alone? You ever been to a funeral and had this thought in your head? It's not supposed to be like this. There's something wrong here, right? I've never seen that. Like if a squirrel dies, I don't see the other squirrels come out and go, that's not supposed to be like that. You don't see them have this funeral where they're just hurting over the loss of a squirrel. I think they're mostly thinking, oh, it wasn't me. Here's what that word means. Good, merry, pleasant, desirable, in order, usable, efficient, friendly, kind, morally good, excellent, happy, and right. When God said it's very good, he wasn't saying, oh, I did pretty good. He said, I did perfectly. God created everything. Guys, there's a, there's a thing called the cosmological argument. And what that is, it's that time, matter, and space had a beginning. Time, matter, and space is not eternal. Those things are not eternal. So at some moment in time, time was created. Time, matter, and space began at one moment. In order for that to happen, so when you have people that come and say, hey, everything started from nothing. You can't have nothing create something. So time, matter, and space had to have something that created it. If you want, if you want proof, it's like, oh, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's really understandable. Ask a five-year-old. Guys, I've had conversations. Seriously, I remember having a little conversation, and somehow that topic came up. I didn't bring it up. The kid was smarter than I was. And as the kid brought it up, it's like, I said, well, some people believe that everything started from nothing. And they go, that doesn't make sense. And I go, how? And I love it. How? And I'm like, are you, are you in a play? How can you have something when there's nothing? And I sat and I thought, I don't know. Somehow we're too smart for our own good. Guys, I'm convinced, I'm convinced the root of atheism is that we don't, want, we don't want people telling us what to do. We don't want anything else to tell us what to do. And number two, we feel like God failed us. For those that believe that, you feel like God failed you at some point, so you'd rather run away from him rather than go to him. So all time, matter, and space had a beginning. There's also something called the teleological argument, which means it's the appearance of purpose and design. The universe points to a designer. Here's what I mean. The probability that you go out and win the lottery is 1 in 10 to the ninth power. So that's 10 with nine zeros after it. The, the probability you would randomly deal a deck of 52 cards in the perfect order is 1 in 10 to the 68th power. 
That's 10 with 68 zeros after it. But the odds, the probability of the odds of randomly arranging universal physical constants, which is the laws of the universe, in the present arrangement, how it works today, is 1 in 10 to the 120th power. That's 10 with 120 zeros after it. And all of a sudden we just say, it happened. And yet if we pulled out our smartphones, we all would know that some people put that together. We call them engineers. And the apps that you use have to be created by someone who types the zeros and the ones so that it does the things that you want them to do. And then we look at creation. Guys, you realize that right now we're on a planet. We're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. Do you feel it? And if you do... There's medication for you, but it's like, <laughs> right now, this is the worst, like, ride of teacups ever. I get motion sickness on swings. It's horrible. Yeah, I'm not even joking. Literally, I'll go a few times and go, I'm done. I'm done. It's not even going to throw up on your face. So it's, it's not the right thing. A thousand miles an hour. While we're going a thousand miles an hour, going around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. Guys, you realize that that sun... It's so big you can fit 1.3 million Earths inside of it. That sun is so powerful that it is 93 million miles away. The Bible says in Psalm 33 that out of the exhale of God came all the starry hosts. That when God exhaled, the sun popped out. The closest that we can get to the exhale of God is 93 million miles. Do you realize if we were any closer, we would die? So while we're spinning 1,000 miles an hour, going around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour, the Earth, yeah, part of the nine planets. I don't know what they're teaching about Pluto. Anybody feeling it for Pluto lately? Pluto was in, then, they're, then he's out. Why? Because he's too small. I'm like, he's bigger than you, shut up. Then all of a sudden he's back in. I think he's out now again. I'm like, alone he honestly is just out there floating around let's just let's keep him in we're going a thousand miles an hour going around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour and while that's happening the sun and the nine planets are going around the nucleus of the Milky galaxy at 540,000 miles an hour right now that's what's happening and what makes you think that you're in charge of anything you're in control of anything we're just hoping we don't crash and the bible says that jesus holds all things together and yet some, some have the audacity to look at the creator and to point the finger and say, how dare you let? Isn't it amazing? Some of you guys can't keep your room clean, but you'll tell God how to be God. It doesn't make any sense. He has almost eight and a half billion people on the planet. But do you realize he's not reacting to anything? He's eternal. He's opening up his timeline. He's showing his plan. He's not wondering how things are going to turn out. He's already written the book about what happened. Because he's eternal. Guys, our, our solar system is part of the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy has some 300, 350 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Give or take. Guys, it's so big. You go from one end of the Milky Way galaxy to the other. It's about 120,000 light years. Why? That means you have to go 186,000 miles per second for 120,000 years, and you'll get from one side to the other. That is the longest, worst, 
family vacation and cross-country drive in the history of the world. Are we there yet? No. And we'll never get there. The Bible says in Psalm 19, 1 to 2, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. But you have this massive universe, and at night you see the stars, unless you're from Southern Cal. We've got four. And most of them just blink red when they go across. You're like, that's a shooting star. Praise the Lord. So I see it. Lord, thank you for speaking to me through Southwest. <laughs> so you go with this universe, and then you go with the earth. Guys, the earth, I have no clue how they figured this out. No clue. So when the earth weighs 13 septillion, 176 sextillion pounds. I'm sitting there going, I don't, I don't even know what those numbers are. Let me just break it down. You go from millions to billions to trillions to quadrillions to quintillions to sextillions to septillions. That's the earth. That's going at 1,000 miles an hour and 66,000 miles an hour and 540,000 miles an hour, and that's God's playground. So you look at the earth, and then you look at what he created. Guys, you ever look? Anybody else think caterpillars are kind of fascinating? No? Think about it. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Think about it. A caterpillar somehow turns into goo and turns out to be something else. And you sit there and go, no, there's no app for it. No, it's not impressive. Guys, it turns into nothing and then comes back. And then this is the part I don't understand. I don't know how scientists know this. They go, they say, and it keeps its memory. Like, how do you know that? Like, do, do you put it through a test? Do you ask questions? What was your name before? The same as it is now. I mean, what do you do with it? The caterpillar has 228 distinct muscles in just its head. And I said, you know, that is the worst job ever. Can you imagine? Today's the day. We're going to figure out. I'm going in to count the muscles of a caterpillar's head. And you show up and people are lying down the aisle going, this is it. You're like, yeah, game time, game time. Yeah, you feel this? You feel this? Uh, yeah, yeah, you like this? And then you walk in, you start to count. One, two, you get to 220, and then someone knocks your, oh, what the? One. 228 distinctive muscles in the head of the caterpillar. Guys, you realize there are dozens of different types of tomatoes. I thought there was one. Actually, I thought there were two, organic and non-organic. Like, that's, that's all I got. Guys, do you realize there are different ty- there's hundreds of different types of bananas? I thought there were two. Guys, you ever looked at the hippo and thought, God, what were you thinking? Who remembers the game Hungry, Hungry Hippos? Right? Yes. Guys, think about it. Those of you that are excited, I'm so thankful. Because us old people are weird. Guys, this was our game. Guys, let's come up with this great. I got the new game. Everyone gets the, everyone gets the, head, of, the head of a hippo. And you just pound it. And whoever eats the most marbles wins. Oh, I love this game. You realize there are more people mauled by a hippo every year than by a lion. 
Why? Because everyone thinks it's hungry, hungry hippo. There he is. I love you. And you go up and give it a hug, and it just bites your face off. Guys, zebras. You know incredible zebras are? Did you know? Watch this. Did you know that when mama zebra gives birth to baby zebra, baby zebra pops out, and then mama takes zebra away for a few months? Why? So baby zebra can memorize her stripes. Can you imagine if the mom didn't do that? Can you imagine baby's born, mama just stands there and says, figure it out. And there's hundreds of different zebras, and you go, mom? Are you my mom? No, I'm a guy. Oh, I'm sorry. There are 60 different species of eagles. Again, I thought there were two. Guys, do you realize that the, the, the eyesight of an eagle is eight times that of a human? So an eagle can be two miles away and see a rabbit running and go lunch. Two miles and see it as clear as day. The grip strength, 10 times stronger than that of a human. Guys, our eyes see it 586 megapixels. And we're sitting there going, did you get the new the iPhone 75 or whatever it is now? <laughs> Guys, it has like a 60, 62 megapixel camera. And God's like, that's cute. Your eyeball's 586 megapixels. You look at this and I go, wow, like God made all this. And then look at, like think of your body. Right now you have 75 trillion cells in your body. Every, every three seconds, 50,000 of your cells die off and are, and are recreated. Like 50,000 new ones are made. Every three seconds. And every one of those cells has this thing called DNA. DNA is the blueprint of, your, of who you are. Like how tall you would be or not. Or how much hair you'd have or follically challenged or whatever. It's like this is, this is who you are. If you're athletic or not. If you're artistic or not. I mean, God, it's like... This is who you are, and every single one of those cells has this DNA strand. If I took one DNA strand out of one of your cells, it'd be six feet long. So if I took all the DNA out of your body and tied it end to end, guys, that's enough DNA to go from here to the moon and back 178,000 times. Guys, you have 100,000 miles worth of blood vessels in your body. That's enough, that's enough, that's enough miles to go around the earth four times. And so when the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, guys, when you look in the mirror, you're miraculous. But God put you together. And our brains, about 100 billion neurons, they're like little lightning bolt transmitter receiver. Each neuron fires about 200 times per second. Each neuron connects to about 1,000 other neurons, and so do the math. 100 billion neurons times 200 firings per second times 1,000 connections each equals 20 quadrillion bits of info transmitted every single second. That's what's going on. And you're not even thinking about it. I don't tell, my, I don't tell myself to breathe. I don't go, inhale, exhale. Can you imagine how cruddy of an experience that would be? That's your life. Inhale. Exhale. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. But you have to tell your heart to beat. 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 Inhale. Exhale. Heart beat. 
you know, X of 50,000 cells died. <laughs> Digestion work. It's like you're trying to figure out how that, and it just happens. And from there, God's like, let me create something called wisdom. And let me create knowledge. And let me create music. Let me create the concept of appreciation. Let me create what love is. Let me create, let me create humor. Guys, you ever laughed so much you thought your stomach was going to explode? And the whole time you just thank the Lord for it? Ladies, if you ever say this, like if you're in mixed company and people are just laughing, you're just losing, you say, okay, stop, stop, I'm going to pee my pants. If a guy hears that, realize the other guys look at each other and they say this, challenge accepted. <laughs> Gentlemen, if I'm right, say amen. amen. Ladies, you've been warned. <laughs> guys, God created laughter. He created test taste buds. Like he created all these things. And yet we still look at him and blame him for what? What we did. He created everything good and right and perfect. God created truth. For God is truth. Guys, don't you think the one who created everything has the right to decide what's true and not what's right and wrong? Don't you think God has that right? Remember that God is infinite in being and perfection. He's unchangeable, immeasurable, holy, immense, just, eternal, awesome, incomprehensible, almighty, most absolute, most loving, patient, righteous, ruler, savior, most gracious, most merciful, forgiving, beautiful, terrifying, long-suffering, majestic and glorious, divine, abundant in goodness and truth, compassionate, just, quick to forgive, punishes sin, all-powerful, all-knowing, great, good, most holy, most wise, most free. God is truth. That's who God is. And that for some of you, God is what? Less impressive than you. Why? Because you've replaced him with you as if you think that you've created a throne that you deserve to sit on. And yet all that it is is a folding chair. There's one throne and God sits upon it and God is what? All those things. And then we come to Jesus. See, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when John decides how he's going to start off his gospel account, he says, oh, how should I start it? What will get people's attention? In the beginning. Oh, people think of Genesis 1. Go back to what, what happened in the beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word, who knows it, was God. So when you look at Jesus, you look at who God is. When you read about Jesus in the Gospels, you see how God responds and God acts, how God loves and confronts. It's not like Jesus is the nice, happy, hippie version of God. And the Father's the ticked-off version. The Holy Spirit's just running around in a circle like we don't know what he does. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. says, he, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Some would say, oh, see, he's firstborn, so he was created. No, that word firstborn is better translated as preexistent one, existing before, or the one who is superior to all things. The firstborn of all creation. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created 
in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We get to verse 17, and he is before all things and in who all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. Followers of Christ, can I just really encourage you with something real quick? The church is not a place. The church is not an event. The church is not a worship experience. The church is the gathering of God's people brought together to fulfill the purpose that God has given to us. It has nothing to do with a place or a location. It has everything to do with us. We are the church, but Jesus is the head of us. He's in charge. We don't get to decide what, or what we're supposed to do. He's already told us. He's in charge. He's superior. He's eternal. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And everything was created for him, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent means he's top. Nothing else compares to God. Nothing compares to Jesus. He's supposed to be number one in your life. You know, the greatest competition to Jesus in your life is when people go, rock and roll, sin, drugs. No, the greatest competition, what's number one is whatever is number two. Guys, I love my wife, but I don't love her more than Jesus. You say, ah, oh, is she here? Guys, she's heard me say it thousands of times. Why? Because when I love Jesus most, I'll love her best. When I love Jesus most, I'll love her best. I love Jesus more than my boys. And when I love Jesus most, I'll love them best. I love Jesus more than the church community I get to be part of. Why? Because if I love him most, I'll love them best. When you love Jesus most, you'll love others best. But when you love others more than Jesus, everything gets what? Out of line. He's to be preeminent. And Jesus is the one who says this, and I think Annalisa said this before in John chapter 14, verse 6. She said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, there is no other way to be made right with God except through Jesus. Oh, that's, probably, that's a pretty arrogant statement. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. That's pretty arrogant that he would say that. Friends, I'm going to go with the guy who pulled off Easter. I figure if you pull off Easter, ah, you can pretty much say whatever you want to say. He didn't say, I am a way. He says, I'm it. No one comes to the Father except through me. But how much does Jesus love us, this massive, holy, terrifying God? John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This word, who is God, became a person. Why? Guys, you realize that the Bible tells us that Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Why? Because when we've been tempted, he's been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. He sympathizes with us. He knows what it feels like. He suffered. He put himself through suffering. Suffering that we will never have to experience when we've surrendered our life to him. Guys, no other world religion 
claims these things. No other world religion says, hey, you can't do enough good things to get to God. Every other world religion says this, do enough good and you're going to get there. Here's the problem. How do you know what the score is? So your whole life, you're like, am I winning? So now you're just living this constant worry and fear that I don't know that I'm doing, I've done enough. And here comes God saying, all of your good deeds are like filthy rags compared to my holiness. It's impossible for you to get to me on your own. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come for you. And I'm going to do the things that are necessary. And I'll finish the work. Why would he do that? Because he's God. Guys, when you look at Jesus, who do you see? And this isn't an opinion thing. Well, I like Jesus more like, no, 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 no. Guys, we go to what the Bible says. We're going to look at this tomorrow. Like the truth of the scriptures. Friends, we don't get to make up God. We don't get to say, I like this part, I don't like this part. Give me extra love and no wrath. Guys, you know why you want God to be just? You know why you want him to be just? Because those who experience oppression their whole lives, if God does not come through and show justice toward the oppressor, then God is not being loving toward the oppressed. And so for us to sit there and go, it's not fair. Friends, fair ended in the garden. You should beg for grace. Guys, Jesus is awesome. Guys, it's not what do I think about Jesus, it's what does the Bible convey or reveal to me about Jesus. And to take him at his word and to take him who he is, all of him, Guys, I used to be much more impressed and desirous of what he would give me. And it seems like that's a lot of what happens in church. What happens in these worship services where pastors get and preach and they're trying to convey. We're trying to say, if you do this, you're going to have a much better life than if you don't. Or you look at all the successful people who call themselves Christians, you could be like that. What if God says, hey, for the rest of your life, you will suffer. According to my will, it's going to happen. We would never do that. Guys, there's people in the Bible that all they experienced was slavery. 400, over 40 years of slavery. Can you imagine you're born into year four and all you know is what you've been in slavery in Egypt? It's not, how does it work out for me? No, no, no. It comes down to this. Is Jesus worth it? If he's worth it, man, go through anything, everything, hell or high water, because it's all about him. Because he's that awesome. He's that incredible. Instead of what do I get out of it? What if, what if I said this? You get him. You get him. Friends, and I'll close with this. And I really do mean it. I know that's what pastors say when they go for like 22 more minutes. But Annalisa, I'm almost done. I don't know what this time is. But Jesus is advocate, almighty. He's alpha and omega, beginning and end. He's the amen. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He's the beloved son. He's the bread of life. He is the captain of salvation. He is the chief shepherd. He is the cornerstone. He's the creator, deliverer, desire of the nations, door, elect of God. He's the faithful witness, first and last, glory of the Lord, God, good shepherd, head of the church, holy one, horn of salvation, I am 
image of God, Emmanuel, Jehovah, King of Kings, Lamb of God, leader and commander. He's the life. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the tribe of Judah. He's Lord of Lords. He's man of sorrows. He's mediator. He's Messiah. He's mighty God, Prince of Peace, Redeemer, Resurrection, and the life. He's Savior, Son of God, Word of God. Jesus is truth. This is who Jesus is. According to the pages of his scriptures, when angelic beings look upon him on his throne, since they've been created, however, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago, the angels were created. All they've continued to do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they scream it back to one another. And they've never been bored. They're blown away with him because of who Jesus is. Can I pray for us? Please stand. Jesus, we give you thanks for who you are. Not even what you've done yet, just who you are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in all of us, whether we're campers or counselors or youth pastors or Team Lake staff or owners of Big Bear. Like, I don't care, God. Just do work that transforms us into lovers of you. That we'd actually fulfill the first and greatest commandment to love you with everything. Oh, God, reveal yourself in such a way that all of us are moved at least one step closer into intimacy with you, one step closer into repentance towards you. Oh, God, please. God, take a feeble attempt on my part. Trying to make much of you, and God, just blow us away. God, make us, make, make us tonight unable to know how to speak to you, and then draw us in and remind us that you call us yours. For those of us who are followers of you, you call us yours. And for those who aren't, God, you desire for them to come and surrender to you. God, you're awesome and mighty, and you deserve all worship. God, we love you. To you be all praise and glory and honor, for you alone are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees said, amen. Love you all more than you know.